Thank you, Pastor. I say good morning to all of you. It's always wonderful to see all of you here. Um, we are back in uh, hot Penang. It's not that we went overseas. Last Tuesday and uh, until Friday, Pastor Chai B, myself, Pastor Joseph, and the wife Mei Hing. Uh, Pastor Joseph is from our Man- is our Mandarin Zone pastor. We went up to Cameron Highlands for our uh, prayer retreat, personal prayer retreat. It was raining, the weather was cool and nice, especially for me, but my wife says it's too cold for her because the, the, it, the temperature was at 17 degrees. So to me, it's just fine, but to her, she says it's very cold. And when we arrived back in Penang, wow, I said, well, the temperature is too hot for me. So we had to turn on the aircon every night to sleep since we, we came back so that, you know, I can adjust myself back to uh, the, the temperature over here. But nevertheless, we thank God for air condition uh, this morning. Now, before we go into the Word, let's commit this time to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your wonderful presence here with us. We thank you that, Lord God, you are always with us. You are Emmanuel, God, with us. And Lord, even now as we sit in your presence, God, we pray that, Lord, you will refresh those who are tired mentally, those who are tired physically, those who are troubled, Lord, you will begin to minister to them. You will pour forth your peace upon their hearts for those who are not feeling well, Lord, you will touch them and heal them miraculously wherever they may be seated. But most of all, Lord, we pray that, God, may our spiritual ears be open to hear what the Holy Spirit has to teach us this morning, what the Word of God can, how the Word of God can encourage us to build faith in You, O God. And we pray that, Lord God, our hearts and our thoughts, O God, will be held captive. And Lord, even as I present myself to You, Lord, I pray that, God, You anoint my lips. And that, Father, I pray that, God, every thought, O God, that passes through my mind will be of the Holy Spirit. And we give full permission to the Holy Spirit to continue to lead and to guide us as a congregation this morning. We pray that God, at the end, O Lord, your name will be magnified, your name will be glorified, your name will be exalted, O God. For all this we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. 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 We are now at the Advent season, and in a couple of days, we will be celebrating Christmas. In fact, on this coming Wednesday is Christmas Day. And therefore, this morning, I'd like to share a bit from uh, the story of an elderly couple. And that's before Christ was introduced into the world. Now, for those of you who may be wondering, what is the meaning of Advent? Well, Advent simply means the period of four Sundays before Christmas. It is a Latin word. It simply means coming. Advent means coming. So Christians use the four Sundays and weeks of Advent to prepare and remember the real meaning of Christmas. And like I said, I'm going to share from this, from the life of this elderly priest who is married to a wife and they have no children. And I know that many of you definitely will say that it is this gentleman, this priest, this aged priest, his name is called Zechariah, and you are right. I want to learn from what Dr. Luke has to say 
about Zechariah and also about his wife and how God can provide. You see, Dr. Luke is a doctor and he's a good script writer. And, you know, he is quite detailed as a doctor. And so let's start off this morning by looking at Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. I'm going to break this into small chunks because I'm going to preach from verse 5 to 25, which is very long. And most of us who are seated here would already have known the story of Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. So my sermon is entitled, God who remembers your cry. A God who remembers your cry. Because all of us who are seated here this morning, you will have a personal cry to God. You like it or not, there are times, or even now, you have a personal cry to God. And so let's be encouraged through the life of Zechariah. Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 7 says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. Dr. Luke begins this narrative by showing us the time in which these events took place. He was very specific. He said it was in the days when Herod was king of Judea. The question is, who is this Herod king of Judea? Well, we'll get glimpses of who this king is, king of Judea is, from the Gospel of Matthew. You see, the Gospel of Matthew says in chapter 2, verse 16 to 18 says, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. So this is a mention of Herod in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, <clears throat> the other one was through historians. Now, Herod is a very insecure leader, insecure father. He is paranoid that somebody will take over his position of influence and power. And because of that, he had his three sons murdered. One of his ten wives was also murdered and others killed. It was this Herod that one historian said, it is better to be a pig in Herod's barn than a son. In other words, the pig had a better chance to live to an old age than a son did. Because a son may not guarantee that he will live to see the next day for all he knows that when he sleeps, his father may decide to kill him. And so this is Herod that we are talking about. And this was the political context of the time. 
Now, during this time, it was also a time of God's silence. For 400 years, there had been no prophets raised up by God. During those times, 400 years of silence, God did not speak. No prophets were raised up to call people to repentance of their sin. No prophets were raised up to call people to return back to God. There were no amazing miracles during those times, no signs or wonders. Just silence for 400 years. So why the 400 years of silence? Is it that God is so frustrated with His people? Has He abandoned them because God is upset and frustrated with them? Well, if we were to continue to read on from Matthew and Luke and so on, we will realize that actually during those times of silence, the 400 years of silence, God was actively working quietly behind the scene. God was preparing the place for the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That is the reason why there's a 400 years of silence. God is not sleeping, but God was working. Luke then went on in verse 5 to describe the character of Zechariah and also Elizabeth. And he says, Zechariah and Elizabeth, an old couple who gave up expecting to give up birth to children, Zechariah was a priest and his wife was also a descendant of the priestly line from Aaron. And we also learned that they are very godly couple. Now, it seems to have been important to God that John comes from the priestly line even though his function was largely prophetic. And so this is an aged couple. And let me read to all of us verse 6 in, in which Luke, Dr. Luke describes them. They were righteous people living according to all God's commandments. They probably wondered why God had not blessed them with children, why their faithfulness to God was unnoticed and unrewarded. It is not that they committed any sin. They were a godly couple. But yet here it's recorded that they have been seeking for a child, but God didn't answer them. Imagine every day as they leave their homes, that the neighbours will probably begin to gossip. Say, look at Elizabeth. Look at Zechariah. Something must be wrong with their life. If not, God would have answered them with a prayer by giving them a child or children. So I believe that every time Elizabeth leaves the home, the stress level will go up. You ask those who have been praying for a child, and when they, until today, they don't have a child, especially those who are married for two to three years, if you would ask them, when, when, when are you going to have a baby? As the time goes by, the stress level will go up. I'm telling you this because I was married in 1998. People expect us to have a child by 1999. Really? Every time Chinese New Year comes, when we went visitation, our relatives would ask us this question, or rather ask my wife, when are you going to have a baby? My mother would ask, when can I carry a grandchild on my hands? It got to Pastor Chai B, even when she comes to church also. 
People say, hey, Pastor Chai B, don't want to give birth yet, man. After a while, the stress level went up. At home, she would tell me, I don't want to see all these people. Chinese New Year, you go on your own, I don't want to go. I told her, it's okay. Don't get stressed. Just answer them that the baby will come. And 2000, our first son was born. And guess what? My wife said, time to go Chinese New Year visitation. <laughs> yeah. Time to bring the baby to church. Yeah, because the stress level is over. You see, during Zechariah's time, to be barren, for a woman to be barren is not a good thing. Because it, during those times and culture, it means that something is wrong with your life. And that is why God is punishing you by not answering your prayer, by blessing you with a child. That is what it means. That is why even the disciples asked Jesus this question. In John chapter 9, verse 2, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? You see, to them, they believe that it is a judgment on God upon the life of these people. Is it? Is it a judgment of God on their life? Well, let's continue from Luke chapter 1, verse 8 to 17. It says, One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by Lord to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the, angel told, but the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have a great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Now in those days, it was estimated that there are roughly about 85,000 priests in Israel. Others will defer. Others will say may not be so many. Others believe that it was from 12,000 to 15,000 priests. Now, these priests were divided up into 24 divisions. Each division served in a temple twice a year. Now, if we were to take the low number of 12,000, then there would have been 500 who will be on duty that day with Zechariah being one of them. Now, just now we read, we learned that Dr. Luke even recorded that Zechariah was chosen because of the casting of the lots. 
See, so in other words, the burning incense fell to this aged priest. It is no mistake that Luke decided to put it there through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this piece of information of the, cast, the, the Lord being cast, because he wants us to see that God's hands invo- was involved in the selection of Zechariah that day. So I want to share with all of you who are here that, you know, just as God's hand was upon Zechariah that day, the hand of God is upon your life today as well. See, most priests love and spend their lifetime serving, but they, many of them were never selected to burn incense in the temple. So Zechariah was chosen for this very high privilege of burning the incense which he would have done either in the morning or the evening. Now this was such a high privilege, it could be done by a priest only once in a lifetime. It was a very coveted task. And Zechariah was pleased and proud to be selected by God. Out of 500 priests, God chose Zechariah. Out of 500, Zechariah was selected. For those of you who may be applying for scholarships, there are many who, there may be about five, six hundred people or even seven hundred people who may be selected, but you got the scholarship out of the many who have applied. You know, sometimes we think that, oh, it is because of my good results. It is because of my ability that I have been selected. But has it ever crossed your mind that out of so many, the hand of God was upon you? And therefore, you got, you were selected to to receive that scholarship. Or even for a promotion. Or even for a business trip. You were selected out of the many who could have gone. Many a times we think that, oh yeah, I was selected. But we forgot that actually the hand of God was upon your life. And that's where you received this blessing. Now, Zechariah was very pleased, but I'm sure he has got mixed feelings about what he's going to do tomorrow when he stepped into the temple. He would have rehearsed in his heart and and in his mind what he plans to do tomorrow. But at the same time also, he probably would have thought about Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 10 talks about Aaron's two sons, Nadab, and Abihu, who were priests. They were also burning incense, but the, Bible's, the Bible tells us that they burned the wrong fire. And immediately the fire of God came and consumed them. They became barbecued. They were barbecued. So at the same time, he was saying, okay, this is what I want to do, but then, oh, I hope that I will not end up like Nadab and Abihu. And therefore, he must be preparing himself and say, God, search my heart to see whether is there any sin that I may have offended you. And therefore, so that I will be obedient to you. Is there any area of disobedience in my life? Because I want to step into the temple alive and I want to step out of the temple alive as well. I do not want to be pulled out of the temple, a dead person. So he had this kind of mixed feelings. Joy as well as fear and trepidation 
because he is coming into the presence of a holy God. Not many times for us Christians, we forgot that in our life. Praying for this crowd. You know, when you read this, have you ever asked yourself, what were they actually praying for? Were they praying for personal needs? Or were they praying for something else? I believe that this great crowd came and they were praying for the coming of the King and the establishment of the Messiah's kingdom because they would have heard through scriptures that God has promised that He will send a Messiah to come and to deliver them. And they will be gathered there to pr for prayer. And probably as they gather also to pray for the coming Messiah's promise to be fulfilled for the King to come, they would also be remembering about, they probably would have remembered Zechariah and prayed to God that Zechariah will come out safely as well because all of them know that Zechariah is going into the temple and it is a very, very dangerous task for him. So Zechariah went in. And as he stepped into the temple, he must be filled with awe at what he sees inside the temple. He saw that it was in semi-darkness. Semi it's a holy place, illuminated only by the light of the lampstand. And so Zechariah began to perform his priestly duties. He began to pour the incense out onto the hot coals. And a large cloud of smoke rose to the ceiling and left the temple. The large room was filled with the fragrance of the incense which stayed for hours. This represented the prayers of God's people. The priests would also then offer up prayers as well. Now as Zechariah was performing his duty, at the back of his mind he rehearsed the day before. And he believed that I'm going to come out alive and it's just going to be another, another priestly duty for me, even though, yes, I have, it's a coveted task. Nothing is going to happen. I'm just going to worship God and do my priestly duty. But he didn't realize something is at hand for him. Let's read Luke chapter 1, verse 11. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. He didn't expect an angel to come. He didn't expect to have a personal visitation by an angel. You know, and here this angel appeared. It's just like when you are in a room alone, and you didn't expect anybody to come and your back was facing, is facing the room. Somebody come and touch you, I call you, you suddenly you jump. They say, hey, next time don't do that. You scare me to death. Yeah, so exactly that was the experience of Zechariah. He didn't expect an angelic visitation. And so Luke chapter 12 tells us his reaction. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw 
the angel. And it is a very, no, it's very normal for human beings to do that because look at the life of Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 28 to 30 says, The angel went to her, and that's Mary, and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Verse 29 tells us how Mary reacted. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. In other words, Mary was also afraid. That's why she was comforted by the angel. Do not be afraid. How about the life of the shepherd? Luke chapter 2 verse 9 says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. How about when the guards who were guarding the tomb of Jesus, Matthew chapter 28, verse 2 to 4 says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside a stone and sat on it. He says, shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Friends, angels are awesome, powerful, created beings by God. They are warrior-like. It is not like those angels that you walk into the malls, the baby angels with harp, chubby chubby, sitting on, on, on a cloud. No, that is not the kind of angels. The angel that is described will, bring, will strike fear in your heart. And so, you see three different categories of people, they responded to this angelic visitation with fear. And here in Luke chapter 13, this angel also comforted Zechariah. He says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. The angel comforted him and then told him, God has answered your prayer. Question to all of us here this morning. What does the angel mean when he said, God has answered your prayer? Does it mean... Is the angel telling Zechariah, Zechariah, God has answered your prayer for a child. If that is not the case, then what is the angel actually telling him? What does it mean when the angel tells Zechariah, your prayer has been answered? Is it for a son or is it for the deliverance of Israel? Let me remind all of us that Zechariah, yes, when he was young, he, did, he and Elizabeth did pray for a child. But Dr. Luke describes to us that they are now old and aged. And I believe that Zechariah would have given up hope Enough of praying, probably he would have told Elizabeth, get real. Our prayer is never going to be answered because when we were young and we are able to, and you are able to give birth to a child, to a baby, God would have answered that. But now, we have missed the boat. 
But here in the temple, the angel came and said, God has answered your prayer. Or God has heard your prayer. Let me submit to all of us here that when the angel came to Zechariah in the temple, he is actually telling Zechariah that the prayer for the coming Messiah has been heard by God and is and will be answered. Because as a priest going into the temple, he is there to perform his priestly duty and he is going to offer up prayer to God. God, remember your covenant. Remember your promise that you are going to give us a Messiah, the King, to come and deliver us. That would be his prayer. Not about his own personal prayer for a son. But as he was doing his priestly duty, he has forgotten about that prayer. He has given up on his prayer for a son. The angel at the same time also tells him this thing. God will give you a son. Because why? Verse 10 says, While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. They were actually praying for the coming of the Messiah. See, a God is a God of the impossible. God is able to intervene in both this storyline to answer the prayer of, of the people for the coming Messiah as well as he remembered the personal requests of Zechariah and Elizabeth many, many years back. He was able to remember them. God is a, is a faithful God. He's a God who will keep to his promise. So the angel is conveying that Zechariah's prayer for the coming Messiah have been answered and God will answer Zechariah's prayer for his own son born miraculously to them and will have a part in announcing the Messiah's arrival. Luke chapter 1 verse 13 to 17 says, Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare for the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Now here, through these verses, we can learn that when the angel gave this proclamation. It was not a generic proclamation. He was very specific. And there are four areas that he was very specific when the angel announced this. First, he mentioned the name of the child. In verse 13, your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. That is the name that has been given. So that's very specific. Secondly, the response to the child in verse 14, you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. In other words, the birth of John will be welcomed by people. Fourthly, the position and the character of the child in verse 15, he says, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other, or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. In other words, before John was even born, God already knew him. 
Fourthly, the mission of the child, verse 16 to 17, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So basically, this child was born for a purpose. This child was born for a mission. Maybe some of you will be saying, hey, pastor, that's John. Really? I'd like all of us to turn to, to Psalms, chapter, uh, Psalms 139. It's not going, I'm going, not going to flash it up. It's not in the PowerPoint. But I would like all of us here to open up your Bible, electronic as well as your physical Bible. Turn to Psalms 139, verses 13 to 17. Verse 13, 139 verse 13 says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. You see, you were not hidden from God. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me. Where as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Friends, before you were even born, God knew you. God has a plan for your life. He has numbered your days as well. So it's not about John. God has a divine purpose for your life. It's not that you and I, we are just floating along this life and then hope that one day you and I will just die. No, no, no. God has a purpose for you and God remembers you even now you are seated, wherever you are seated, God remembers you. God thinks about you. God knows you personally. And so the angel breaks the 400 years of silence. Remember just now I said there was a 400 years of silence with this most glorious news. The name of this son who would be filled with the spirit even in the mother's womb and who will cause many Israelites to repent in preparation for Messiah's arrival will be named John. Friends, from Malachi until Gospel of Matthew was the 400 years of silence. When you turn, when you read the Old Testament, the last book in the Old Testament, and you flip on to the Gospel of Matthew, it take you about two seconds. But during the flipping, actually, from Malachi to Matthew, was 400 years of silence. The God didn't speak. And John, as the angel's words make clear, was to be the fulfillment of Malachi's final prophecy. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 to 6 says, Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. 
His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. That is the foretelling of John the Baptist. Let's look at verse, verses 18 to 25. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stood I stand in the very presence of God. It was He who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. Verse 23, When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. So after hearing this good news, we would have expected Zechariah to rejoice. But instead of rejoicing that he's going to have a son, and the angel is being specific about what his son will be doing and how people will respond to the birth of his son, he had unbelief. How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in years. So, Zechariah the priest, even though godly as he is, he is also very human. That's the human part of Zechariah. He understood the basics of biology and aging. He and his wife are past childbearing age. And to him, he must be telling the angel, you don't even know what you're talking about. Do you know how old I am? After he said this, Dr. Luke recorded that the angel introduced himself as Gabriel. He introduced himself as Gabriel. Why didn't the angel, when he, he, it, first, when it first appeared to John, uh, to Zechariah, why didn't he introduce himself as I am Angel Gabriel. If you were to read your text, it's always it will be mentioned that an angel appeared to him. But now, the angel Gabriel introduced himself. I am Angel Gabriel. Why? Why now only? Why not earlier? I'd like to share with all of us that the angel introduced himself only by name now is because he is telling. Zechariah, that the message that he just declared to Zechariah is to be accepted as coming from the throne room of heaven. In other words, he said, I'm Angel Gabriel. I am sending you this message from the throne room of God. You see, Zechariah, righteous and godly as he is, needs to learn that God will fulfill his promise when he sovereignly chooses to act. 
You see, the sad thing that happened to Zechariah was that as a priest, he would be very well-versed in the Scriptures. He would have known that there were many who had journeyed like him in the past. God did and did do a miracle in the life of Abraham and Sarah. They were promised. You see, <clears throat> then there was the life of Hannah and the parents of Samson. All of them, God miraculously answered their prayer for a child. Of course, the virgin birth is a completely different thing in which Mary gave birth to Jesus. And so, here, he would have known that even in their old age, this is not the first miracle that God has had, is going to do. God did that for Abraham, for Sarah, for Hannah, and so on. So, the lesson that you and I can learn from here is that this announcement for Zechariah as well as for us is that God will do what He promises in His own way. And because of His unbelief, the angel Gabriel declared that he will not be able to speak. In other words, he was struck dumb because of his unbelief. You know, sometimes we experience trials so that we learn to trust God more. So as all this was taking place in the temple, the crowd outside was beginning to become very uneasy. They were beginning to get nervous because Zechariah is supposed to come out already. It is way past too long. He is inside there. Could it be that he is dead? So they, 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 they were looking forward to his return, but at the same time, they were not sure whether will he come out alive or not. And then suddenly, Zechariah appeared. And they expected that when he appeared, Zechariah will be able to give them a blessing, a benediction, the ironic blessing that's taken from Leviticus, uh, taken from Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. They would have expected that he would be able to give them the benediction like we, as the pastors, always give to us the benediction before all of us leave. But here, he couldn't. He couldn't speak and the, all the crowds who were outside there was relieved at the same time to see him stepping out of the temple and they could only see that Zechariah was only able to give them sign language. When they see that, they immediately knew that Zechariah had an, had an encounter. Something marvellous had happened inside the temple he would have probably seen a vision in a temple. Because why? Zechariah couldn't speak. So after that, Zechariah went home, reflecting in silence. He was in solitude on what God is going to do. Soon Elizabeth became pregnant. After becoming pregnant, Elizabeth remained in seclusion for a five-month period. What we know is that she praised God as He has taken away her disgrace. Luke chapter 125 says, How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Why five months? As I said, as I began to ponder, why five months? 
And then I thought about those women, including my wife, when we first received the good news that she's pregnant. I remember my wife said, keep quiet, I don't tell people. First trimester, keep quiet, don't say anything. Second trimester, when, when, when it is more affirmed that, you know, it's stabilized already, then we declare, this is the second trimester already. Yes, she is pregnant. Because all of us know that the first trimester can be touch and go. You may lose the baby for some. And so, as a point of, yeah, five months. The second trimester would be the fourth month. See? So, and then the other one also, she doesn't want to, they are old people, senior citizens already. They don't go out and tell their neighbours, hey, I'm pregnant. They say, siao, alu. No. That's why they kept quiet. But at the same time, in the heart, she rejoiced. She thanked God. God, you have taken away my disgrace. In other words, yes, she felt very disgraced when she was young in front of the community. People are talking about it. So God was working to bring about the Messiah and He caused the Lord to fall on Zechariah, remember? And then God announced through Gabriel that John would be the great forerunner of the King Jesus. Conclusion, what can we learn from this text as the musician comes back? Maybe some of you can identify with Zechariah and Elizabeth. You have been praying and seeking God for certain things in your life. But until today, God has not even answered your prayer. You may be going, you may have, may have been disappointed in the past and you may be still be disappointed, you may still be disappointed of unanswered prayer, shattered dreams. And worse, some people may say something may be wrong with your life. That's why God is not answering your prayer. Maybe it could be unforgiveness in your life, maybe it could be anger in your life that you're holding on that you are not willing to forgive. Yes, it could be true because of that. Or maybe some may even come to you and say, oh, you do not have enough faith. That is why God doesn't answer your prayer. And so you begin to have that guilt, that condemnation inside you. And you say, God, when will you ever answer my prayer? Now I want to encourage all of us here that it is not because Zechariah and Elizabeth's life is not right in the presence of God. It is not because God ignored their prayer, because finally we read that God finally said that your prayer has been heard. I want to tell you that it is a timing issue. God saw that it is the right time for John to be born to be the forerunner and to declare the coming of Jesus. It is a timing issue. You see, many a times when you and I, we pray, 
We expect God to go according to our timing. And when God doesn't answer our prayer, we say, God, you have ignored me. You have forgotten about my prayer. In fact, you have not even heard my prayer. From the life of Zechariah, God did remember his prayer, even though Zechariah and Elizabeth may have given up praying for a child, they may have moved on, and they may have forgotten about it. In fact, when the news was announced to them, he responded with unbelief. But I want to tell you that just as God is able to encounter Zechariah in the temple, without Zechariah even realizing that he's going to have an angelic meeting, he was just going to live his life normally. And just like you and I, we, after, after this, we may just go out and have our lunch. We may think that everything is going to be the same old, same old. But you wouldn't know that God may encounter you today. Because it, God, in His own way, said, the timing is just right. I will answer your prayer even though you may have given up praying for the thing, the desires of your heart. But God said that it is time to answer your prayer. You see, God is a faithful God. He will never forsake you. You know, as we draw near to Christmas, understand that you and I are serving Emmanuel, God who is with us. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 to 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God is always for you, and He will be with you. One last scripture. I want all of us to turn to Isaiah chapter 49, verses 15 to 16. I want you to look into the scripture yourself. Isaiah 49, verses 15 to 16. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of a womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. You see, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. You substitute the word you with your own name. You substitute your the word you in the Bible with your own name and declare this and say that God remembers me. And so I would like to encourage all of us here, even now as we stand, I don't know whether you, how shattered your dream is. I don't know how disappointed you are with God over unfulfilled prayers. I don't know how you how angry you may be with God. But I want to let you know that today, you and I, we can learn that it is all a timing issue. That God is the one who will determine. And God has never forgotten your prayer.
You see, God was silent for 400 years. And after that, he acted. He sent the angel Gabriel to break the news. That's where God spoke again. What is your waiting time? It's not even 400 years. See, let's be encouraged. God is a God who remembers your prayer. Let's stand together this, this, this morning. And I just want all of us here to do business that if you have been praying for certain things in the past and you are still hoping and wondering why God has not answered, I want to let you know that God remembers your prayer. So you bring it afresh to God again and say, God, I bring before you my prayer once again. Because you are a miracle-working God. You are a God of the impossible. Because why? You inscribe my name on the palm of your hand. Remember, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Let's walk according to the, to, to the plans of God for our lives. Thank you, Lord. Sharababasandai kariandai. Yes, begin to do business with God And after that we are going to worship God And then we are going to open up the altar For those who want somebody to pray together with you We have pastors who will agree together with you Whatever your need may be Father, we thank you that you are a faithful God the God, you are a God who remembers our cry, O oh Lord. The Father, even as we stand, O oh God, in your presence, Lord, you know the cries of your people, O oh God. And God, just as you intervene and step, O oh God, into the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth, O oh Lord. Father, we believe that you are a God who is always unchanging. You are a God who will still step in and intervene, O oh God. Because you are Emmanuel, God with us. And that you are a good shepherd, O Lord. And that, Father, we pray to God. We ask, O God, for patience to come upon our lives, O Lord. That, Father, we will trust, O God, that your ways are not our ways, O God. And your ways are better than our ways, O Father God. Father, we want to thank you that, Lord, you know us, O oh God. You knew us, O oh God, before we were even born, before we were even born, O oh God. And that, Father, we thank you, O oh God, for such intimacy, O oh God. A God who really knows us. And for, so, God, for this Christmas season, O oh Lord, help us, O oh God, to understand that, Lord God, you have a purpose for our lives and that you are a prayer-answering God, O oh Lord. And so, God, this morning we come to you once again, O oh God. We lift before you our lives, O oh God. We lift, O oh God, before you our prayers, O oh God. Because you hold, O oh God, our lives in your hands, O oh Father God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Sweet.